All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to notice verse 15, it says, For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. And uh, the title of my sermon tonight is kind of a weird title, but it's just called, it's more of a statement, it's follow men, but not off a cliff. Follow men, but not off a cliff. And here in this passage, earlier in the chapter, in verse 1, or in verse, yeah, verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The things that the Apostle Paul was teaching people were things that God had given to him, that God had entrusted to him, and it was his job as a steward to give these things out to people and to share the things that God had given him that he had learned. And he said, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. If you're going to be a steward of God and a steward of the mysteries of God and of the things of God, you need to be faithful. Now, a person can be faithful and be qualified to be a steward, but eventually that person can and may become unfaithful. And then you know what should happen? They should lose the stewardship. Okay. And now when that person does, it's not always as simple as, well, he's always been bad. You know, and, and that's where people are at today. They've got this kind of this attitude that if somebody does something good, everything they have to do must be good. If somebody does something bad, everything they must have done was bad. And that's just kind of how we think about everything. And just to kind of prove how y'all are, I'm going to say something to you that might be offensive to probably everybody will find some kind of offense in this way, but just hear me out. Okay. I think that president Trump was a pretty good president. Now, see how many are offended right now. Okay. And and you know what y'all are thinking? Well, don't you know what he did in 2020? And let me tell you, I hate what happened, what he let them make him do in 2020. When he came out and did the original lockdown, I mean, it looked like somebody was, it looked like a little kid when he's forced to go out and apologize. You know, the people that pull the strings, they made him do it. He didn't want to do it. And, and I watch, you know, I watch him because while I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, you know, I usually felt like he was shooting straight. I didn't always like what he said, but when he said it, I usually believed him. You know, where, you know, guys like Ted Cruz, he says a lot more stuff that I like. I just don't believe him. You know, where Trump says a lot of stuff I don't like, but I believe him. So I appreciate that about him. But the thing is, overall, I mean, things were going pretty good in this country. So until 2020, when they sabotaged everything and they could steal the election, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, overall, you know, when it came to doing his job, I felt like there was a lot of good things. You know, we, we didn't add to the wars and things that were going on. We did less of that. There were several promises that he did keep the economy was doing really good gas was really cheap but what people do because there's things that he did that were definitely wrong he's just got to be all bad he's just got to be a reprobate you know and every politician is just they're just all reprobates or all bad. no some of them overall do some pretty good things and you know what we're allowed to acknowledge that and yes even Leaders who do a lot of good things overall sometimes do some really bad things, but it doesn't change the fact overall they did pretty good. And I'm going to show you an example of that with the king in the Bible that the Bible says was a good king. But yet we're going to see a lot of bad stuff that he did. You can even take David. David was somebody who was definitely a good king. But somebody can make an argument, no, David was a bad guy. And then talk, start talking about all the things he messed up. And so we're the same way. We, you know, when it, when it comes to politicians, yes, you can always find bad things that they did. But then we act like we have to stand against even the good things. You know, otherwise we're going to look like we support wickedness because we think positively about a politician. And I just don't think that's right. I don't think that's necessary. And so uh, back to this passage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, you know, the Apostle Paul he mentions how the, while you might have thousands of instructors in Christ, he said you have not many fathers. And he's basically saying this because, you know, was, he said it was me that got you saved. You know, he was basically a father, and this, was, this pastor was brought up today, 
This isn't a contradiction of what Jesus said, call no man father. We're not supposed to be bestowing titles on people that give them more honor than they deserve. But at the same time, you know, it's not wrong to state a fact about somebody. And if somebody leads you to Christ, you know, if they are, if, you know, if you refer to them as a father of your faith, that's not wrong for you to do that, but I don't think you should go around calling them father and giving them that title and calling me Father McMurtry. It's like, well, you love me the Lord. Still, don't call me Father. Okay? You, don't, you know, that's, that's too much. Okay? Don't, don't do that. And so he goes on to say, be followers of me. Now, if you're just like a lot of Christians today who they want to guide everything in their life based on a line in the Bible rather than the whole thing. You say, well, you know what? Right here, the Apostle Paul, the guy who got them saved, he said, be followers of me. And you know what? You all should follow me. If I got you saved, you should listen to what I said. I'm the one that got you saved. You know, how dare you not follow me? The Apostle Paul, he told the people to follow him. But you know what? Sometimes common sense is implied. Even though this verse just says, be followers of me, does that mean they got to follow him off a cliff? Does that mean they got to follow him into apostasy? Absolutely not. It's just implied. In fact, if we go later in chapter 11, in verse 1, he says, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So right here, we have a more clear statement, okay? Because there's limits to how we follow anyone. And while it's okay to follow men, we talked about this this morning, as long as we can see Jesus Christ in front of them, if I see them following Christ, then I can follow that person. I'm not wrong in doing that. But at the same time, once they veer off, it's see you later, I'm following Christ. That needs to be the attitude that we have. In Philippians 3.17, he says, Brethren, be ye followers together of me. And mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So he's telling them, hey, you'll be followers of me. He's talking about marking others that are following our example and follow them too. And when you see people that are doing things a certain way, you see people doing things according to the Bible, it's okay to follow those people. It's okay to work with those people. That It's all right to do that. But that just because the Bible says here to be a follower, it doesn't mean... We blindly follow them. It doesn't mean we follow them anywhere. It doesn't mean we follow them everywhere. No, there's, there's limits. And there's other scriptures where things are clarified, where it's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And then two, again, sometimes common sense, it's just implied. And it's like today people are missing that. They just got that one line. And so you know what? If the guy got me saved, I'm following him no matter what. No, that's not right. Even the Apostle Paul clarified later and said, no, follow me as I follow Christ. So be a, it's okay to be a follower of men, but we should all have limits when it comes to following people. We shouldn't follow them off a cliff. Okay? It's okay for you to follow me when it comes to you know, certain aspects of me pastoring this church and you know, follow me as we go soul winning, you know, but don't follow me if I decide to go and take vengeance on whoever you know, stole from the van. You know, there, there's limits, okay? If I get tempted to do my idea I mentioned, don't go up on the roof with me and do that. You probably shouldn't follow me on that. And I'm not going to do that, but I like to think about those things. You know, I, I like to think, but you know, there's limits. Oh, you're the pastor of the church. Yeah, you know what? You should follow me as I follow Christ, but you know what? You shouldn't follow me to jail. Not, not for that reason. Okay? <laughs> not because not not I'm getting vengeance or taking the law into my own hands. That's not right. And so we do. We have this attitude of people being either all good or all bad or saved or lost. But sometimes it's a bit more complicated than that. And often because someone followed someone to a good place, they feel like they have to follow them everywhere, even if they start leading to places that people know are wrong. You don't have to do that. And, and the fact that they got you to a good place doesn't mean they didn't get you to a good place. Doesn't mean that they shouldn't have a special place in your heart but you are not ever required total you know, obedience to any man. And you don't need to just blindly follow any man. And, the thing, and so the thing is, sometimes good people who did great things end up doing bad things. We have a lot of examples about How about Samson? Samson did a lot of great things for God. 
He won some great battles. You can't take that away from him. But Samson made some big mistakes too, didn't he? You know, Jacob was, you know, he was a great man of God. Jacob was a saved man, but Jacob did some pretty dumb stuff too, didn't he? Jacob, he wasn't that good of a father. You know, Jacob made a lot of big mistakes. You know, God even used men like Ahab to defeat the Syrians. God often used bad people. God often, God used Cyrus, the king of Persia, to, you know, to get Israel to be able to go and rebuild the house of the Lord. That was a good thing. And you know what? If the people of Israel would have been like a lot of people in Baptist churches today, if somebody would have said something good about Cyrus, then they'd have been like, what's wrong with you? Don't you know about all the people he killed? Did you not see the way they treated the Babylonians when they took over? Do you not know that they have Jews as slaves? You support slavery. You support genocide. No, I'm just really happy he commissioned us to go and beautify the temple. That's a good thing. You got people today, they can't even be happy about Roe versus Wade being overturned in the Supreme Court. They're all a bunch of reprobates. Maybe they are. It's still a good thing. We can still rejoice in it. And we can acknowledge that it was a good decision. It's okay. It's okay to do that. You know, Balaam. We know Balaam was a bad guy, especially from the New Testament. But you know what? He was used to deliver a message from God in spite of his perverse ways. The angel, when it stopped him, told him that his way was perverse. But yet, God was still able to use that man. So, it's, it's not always as simple as we want to make it. It's not always about saved or lost, just good or bad. There's a lot more to it many times. And so I want us to look at a man, uh, at King Jehoshaphat in the Bible. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures about King Jehoshaphat because I think there's a lot of good lessons we can learn. I actually preached a message similar to this about 10 years ago where I, I kind of went through this story but I do. I think there's, there's some very important things we can get from this. But turn to Second Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 3. Because too many people just have this black and white view of everything. And it causes people to make some really bad decisions sometimes. And to do some dumb things. Or even just get, get really confused. And, you know, it's not as confusing as we're making it. They never just... Take one line in the Bible and run with it. Always look at the Bible as a whole. You know, and understand too, common sense is supposed to prevail in some places. You know, we're supposed to do good to all men. But that doesn't mean if you see somebody, you know, trying to kill your wife, that you can't go do some major harm to that guy. Okay? It's just common sense is supposed to prevail. We should be peaceful. We should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But that doesn't mean... Yeah, there's a Bible verse that says that. But somebody starts messing with my family, I'm going to get mean. I'm going to get real mean. And you know what? You're not wrong in doing that. You're not going against the Bible. But some people act like... Some people act like you're supposed to. And no, common sense is supposed to prevail too. There's even a verse in the Bible that talks about how if you catch someone you know, breaking into your house... And it talks about, if I, I, I don't have the verse in front of me, but it talks about when if daylight comes. You're not supposed to pursue them or kill them or whatever. But and people are saying that, if interpret that, if you're getting robbed in the daytime, you're not allowed to you know, kill the guy. And it's like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What that's teaching is like, if somebody's breaking in your house, you don't know why they're coming in. Even our laws will let you shoot the guy. But, and, and you know what? If somebody tries breaking in your house in the daytime and they get in your house, you know what, ladies? Don't, don't let that verse confuse you. Shoot them. What that's just saying is, you know, when, when light comes, you know, when it's daytime, when it's light, when you understand what has happened, when it's clear this was just a robbery, you don't go hunt down the thief and kill him. And I, why did I even bring that up? When we got a thief I'm going after right now. But, you know, hey. We, we know what happened. We know what he was here for. We don't have the right to hunt him down and kill him. Okay? Daylight's come. There's no confusion about what's going on. But people, it's like, are you really going to take a line like that and throw common sense out the window? Please. You know, if anybody breaks in your house, you know, you are allowed to use violent and lethal force. Because you don't know why they're coming in there. 
And I would hate it if I ever heard some lady was like, ah, you, I saw the guy coming in, he busted through the door. But it was daylight, I wasn't allowed to shoot him. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, you were, ladies, and do it. And it's, it's just a shame that people do not have common sense when reading their Bibles. It, you, you really should don't isolate a line and do something stupid. So, Second Corinthians, or Chronicles 17, verse 3, talking about Jehoshaphat, it says, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents and he had riches and honor and abundance and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. This right here, showing the beginning of his reign, Jehoshaphat is doing good. Jehoshaphat loves the Lord. His heart is lifted up in the ways of God. He's removing idols out of land. God's blessing him. Great things are happening. And folks, this is you know the, the Word of God speaking, saying a lot of really good things about Jehoshaphat. So, is this a good guy? You better believe it's a good guy. Is this a saved guy? I absolutely believe he was a saved guy. It says in verse 12, And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. So, he's a good king. Now, Jehoshaphat, though, was not a perfect king. He was probably better than most that Israel had, especially after him. But there were some areas we're going to see in his life where he clearly was disobedient where he went against God. But you know what? God still used him. And we don't get to act like everything Jehoshaphat did was bad because he did some bad things. He absolutely did some good things. There's no question about that. And so, you know, a question too that people often comes to people's mind is, you know, can someone be used of God and disobedient to God at the same time? And did you know sometimes God uses people that are disobedient? Did you know sometimes some of the things, I, I hate to admit this, some of the things that we preach against in church, okay? I like to preach against the trendies. Okay? I, I like, and if, I, you know, if you don't know what those are, those are people that are just going along with whatever the culture is doing. Every new form of music, they're in. Every new Bible version, they've got it. You know, whatever, whatever's trending, if it's purple lights this week, they've got purple lights. If it's pink lights next week, they're going to have pink lights. It, that stuff irritates the fire out of me. I think those people are disobedient to God in a lot of areas. But did you know it's possible they might accidentally get somebody saved? <laughs> Say, no, nobody can get saved in a purple light church. I, I think they can. As, as much as I don't like that, I think they can. Uh, you know, these people singing these 7-Elevens, the Holy Spirit ain't within a thousand miles of that church. Well, we've got them within 900 miles of us, so I hope the Holy Spirit's within 1,000 miles of that church. You know, we, you know, we say things sometimes that are a little excessive and extreme. And, you know, and the thing, I, I, I don't think they should do that. I think they would do better if they did things our way. I think they would accomplish more. But it doesn't mean God is not capable of using people like that. Now, does that mean I'm going to support what they're doing? Does that mean I'm going to be okay with their skinny jeans? Absolutely not. But it doesn't mean that they can't get anybody saved. It's just—it's not the case. And so, you know, the question is, can somebody be used to God and disobedient? It's yes. God somehow is able to use people even in their disobedience many times. And in 1 Kings 20, now He's going to use you more if you're obedient. We are not going to take this and say, well, you know what? You know what? Who cares? You know, let's just go ahead and violate the Word of God in this area. no. We're going to, you know, because God might not use us. I'm not saying it's a guarantee he'll use people like that. And the truth is, too, a lot of people sometimes are ignorant. They don't know any better. You know, to whom much is given, much is required. We know better. I, and I don't want to find out the negative things that are coming. And we're going to see, too, in the life of Jehoshaphat, some very negative things came as a result of his disobedience. But it doesn't take away the fact that he did some good things, too. And overall, he was a good king. And I'm just, I'm showing you this to show it's not always as black and white as we would like to think it is. So, 1 Kings 22.43 says, And he walked in the, all the ways of Asa his father, 
he turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. For the people offered and burnt incense yet in the high places. Now, that is bad that he didn't deal with that. But, what was the summary that God gave of his kingdom? He did good. He was a good king. Yeah, but he didn't stop the people you know, from offering sacrifices on those high places. That was wicked. That was wrong. I know. But it's, overall, he did good. And so that's what people do with the politicians a lot of times. They'll do a lot of good things, but they got that one really bad thing that they did. And you know what? We should stand against that bad thing. We should call out the junk when that kind of thing happens. But let's not try to you know, un, you know, figure out, or let's not think, well, no, everything must be bad. Again, like we're seeing with people, even when politicians get something right, they got something negative to say about it. No, you don't have to do that. You're not proving anything by that. Let's acknowledge the good that people are doing. Let's praise the good when they do, when they do good. But you know, let's call out the bad when they do bad. None of, no politician is going to get it right 100% of the time. And, King a, and, and, and it's okay if somebody overall is good to say they did good. That is not us condoning the bad. That's, that's not it at all. You know, me saying overall, I think Trump was a good president does not mean I approve of the way he talks about women and some of those recordings that have been leaked. That, that, that's disturbing. That's disgusting. I think that was wrong. You know, and I think, I personally think a guy like that shouldn't even be president. You know, I think we should be able to get better than him. I think we should be able to get more moral people. That's, that's what I think. That's what I believe. And I think I'm right. But it doesn't change the fact he did a good job in some areas. Doesn't doesn't change that. I mean, Jehoshaphat, we're going to see most of his reign, he did good, especially in those early years, but it was mainly in the end where he did really bad. So the thing is, if Trump was a good president for three years and a lousy one for one year, overall, he still did good, right? I'm allowed to say that. But no, I, I'm, people are going to lose their minds over me saying that. Because you know why? They do. They just have this black and white men, you know, you know, mentality. They're the type of people that just take a line from the Bible out of context and they r- destroy their life. They're the type of people that will follow someone off a cliff or anything. Why? Because they don't have any common sense. And we are allowed to have common sense. And so Jehoshaphat overall was good. But this is a big, this is a really bad that he left this here. But it doesn't change the fact he did some great things. And often there are people who did some great things, but they also did some bad things. And it doesn't change the fact that the good they did was still good. And we are allowed to acknowledge that. We are allowed to acknowledge. You know, and I don't like doing this. And I, you don't really hear me do this. But, um, you know, but some people get real sensitive about this. You know, Spurgeon quotes, right? Now, why don't we like Spurgeon quotes? He's a stinking Calvinist, right? But a lot of preachers, a lot of good preachers quote Spurgeon all the time. You know why? Because Spurgeon said a lot of good stuff. You know, Spurgeon had some really good one-liners. He had some really good statements and things that he said that were biblical, that were accurate, that were inspirational, that, you know, provoke you to think. He said a lot, he said a lot of good things. But you know what? If I was to get up here and do a Spurgeon quote, a lot of you'd get offended. Ah, he was bad. It was all, because he was a Calvinist. Yeah, I, I get that. And I don't want to offend people by doing a Spurgeon quote. And, but, you know, I'm not offended when I hear it. Because, you know, I, I acknowledge the good things that he said. You know, I, I, can't, I can't argue the fact that was a good statement. You know, I, I, can't, I can't argue that. You know, people always bring up how, you know, you IFB people that are against Calvinists, you're all a bunch of hypocrites because your hymn book's full of songs by Calvinists. Well, that's probably true. But you know what? Amazing Grace is still a good song. Doesn't mean I like Calvinists. Doesn't mean I think everything about... Uh, forgot the guy's name who wrote it. Doesn't mean I think everything is great about him. You know, and it's like, why can't we ever just acknowledge good and just leave it at that? Why does it always have to be about the person's entire life? Why does it always have to be about everything that they've ever done? That's dumb. 
That's not even that's not even biblical. And so again, I I'm not going to go around. And here's why I don't go around doing Spurgeon quotes. But this is just me. The reason I don't I don't do it is because I do feel like when we're if we're constantly doing that, it kind of lifts the guy up. And then someone in the church who doesn't know any better, they might you know hear a Spurgeon quote about something on Calvin. It's like, well, man, my pastor thinks that guy's super smart. My pastor thinks that guy's great. And then they might fall for his Calvinist stuff too. I see, I'm capable of chewing up the meat and spitting out the bones. You know, so again, it's not going to hurt me, but I do think it could potentially confuse someone else. So that's my reason for not doing it. But again, you know, I can't judge the motives of everybody on that stuff. And so, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to freak out. Okay. If I have a guest speaker come in here and he does a Spurgeon quote, please don't call him a Calvinist. You know, please don't rebuke the guy unless it was, unless he was like doing a really bad quote that he thought was really good. You know, that, you know, like if he says Calvinism is the gospel, you know, then I will jump all over him for that. I think that was the title of a book. I don't know if that was a statement that he wrote. I can't, I can't remember, but you know, again, just, you know, exercise some common sense. So Jehoshaphat in uh, chapter 18. So in chapter 18, chapter 17 said a lot of these good things he did. Overall, it declares him a good king. But in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Now, Jehoshaphat made a huge mistake joining up with Ahab. He shouldn't have done this. Ahab was a bad guy. Ahab did not love the Lord. Ahab was a hater of God. Ahab, at this point, was probably the worst king that the northern kingdom Israel had ever had. And Jehoshaphat joins up with them. That was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. And it says, uh, in Jehoshaphat, he ends up getting rebuked from a prophet, from a man of God. Look at what, and then turn to Second uh, Chronicles 19. We don't have time to read through the entire story. I just want to kind of hit some highlights. But it says, in Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. So but this right here confuses everybody. I mean, if, if this is like a lot of Baptists here, they're standing there watching Jehoshaphat join up with that reprobate Ahab. He's a bad king. He must be a reprobate too. And so then all of a sudden, Jehu, he comes along and he prophesies to him. It's like, shouldst thou help the Lord? And man, these guys, amen. You know, that's right. We're standing against this stuff and he's letting them have it. What are you doing helping the ungodly? I mean, they're getting all excited. They're getting all fired up. What are you doing loving them that hate the Lord? Yeah, we hate Ahab. We hate his stinking guts with a perfect hatred. And, you know, and therefore, wrath is... Yep, the wrath of God is on you, Jehoshaphat. You're a bad king. We're against you. You're a hater of God too. You're running with these people. But then, all of a sudden, Jehu, nevertheless, there are good things found in me. Wait a minute. Isn't the wrath of God on this guy? Isn't he joining up with Ahab? You know, he's got to be, it's got to be all bad or all good, right? No, sometimes people have a little bit of both. And I'm not, again, I'm not justifying the bad. You're, we're going to see that Jehoshaphat and the kingdom had major consequences. But we can't throw out the good. And it doesn't even change the fact that overall, he's good. And so in verse, uh, or chapter 20, because you know what? Jehoshaphat, they, he ignored. He ignored the man of God. He ignored Jehu. Chapter 20, verse 35 says, And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel. So this is the next king. This is Ahab's son, Ahaziah, who did very wickedly. Why didn't he learn his lesson? Jehoshaphat told him. He ignored a rebuke from a man of God. Surely now he's just fully reprobate, right? Very now he's all bad. It says he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made the ships in Ezion Geber. 
Then Eliezer, the son of Dodavah of Marisha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, and they were not able to go to Tarshish. So notice, again, because he had done bad, now these works he's doing, this work that he did with Ahaziah and building these ships, God said, I'm going to destroy that work. And you know what? God did. Now, did God destroy all of his work? No. The good things he did were done. You can't take away the good that was done, but now this new work he's done, it's being destroyed by God. And so understand, he, even though he had some good things in him, because he would not get this bad right, eventually what we see is we see God's bringing judgment on him. God's wrath coming on him. And you know what? People got hurt because of Jehoshaphat's disobedience. We see, uh, if, you know, so we're not going through the whole story, but there were many men from his army who died in the battle he fought with Ahab. He shouldn't have been doing that. People suffered. People died. And you know what? And, you know, as, as uh, a pastor, you know, if I start doing bad, it doesn't change the good that's been accomplished. It doesn't change what we've accomplished as a people here at the church. But if I do, if I start taking the church in a wrong direction, if I start teaching weird doctrines, if I start uh, participating in bad practices and you follow me, you know what? You're going to get hurt with me. You're going, to get, you're going to suffer too. But what people often do whenever pastors start going bad, whenever they start veering off course, they're, you know, they're confused. What's going on? What, you know, and, and you think about all the good from the past. And, you, and people start questioning it. And then often what people do when a pastor goes bad, well, this is the guy that taught me about the King James Bible. And you know what they do? They throw out their King James Bible. You know, he was right on that. Oh, this is a pastor who taught me how to go soul winning. He's not going soul winning anymore. Well, you know what? He was right when he taught you about soul winning. Keep soul winning. This is the guy that taught me about standards and separation and holy living. And now he's doing something else. You know, I mean, yeah, I followed him this far. He, and he's going these other directions. And it's like they think I either have to keep following him or I have to throw out everything from before. No, you do not. Know what you just do? You use common sense. You, you follow, but not off a cliff. You follow him, but like Paul clarified later, as he follows Christ. And so you know what? Thank God while you followed that man, he got you to this point where you're at in life, but now he's kind of taking another turn. You know, as a steward, maybe he's not been found faithful. And so now, you know what you do? You keep following Christ. That, that, that's what you do. And it doesn't, there's no reason to be confused. There's no reason to be distraught. You don't have to throw out all the, all the good things that you learn. Hang on to those things. Be thankful for those things. But understand, if you keep following, if you follow a man off a cliff, you know what? You're going to get hurt. You are going to get hurt. And you don't have to do that. You don't have, there's some things we don't have to put up with. And so we have people in Jehoshaphat's army who died as a result of Jehoshaphat's disobedience. We see there were men who perished with his ships and they suffered. Their families suffered. Listen, God is not going to bless the works of disobedience. When, when, you, when you get out of line, God's not going to bless. And so just because God has blessed somebody in one area doesn't mean he's going to bless them in every area. I imagine in the areas where Jehoshaphat is doing good still, in the areas where you know the prophet said there's some good in you, God's blessing those areas. But when it came to the works he was doing with Ahab, God didn't bless that. And I do. I believe there's churches that are out there that, you know, they preach the right gospel and God is still saving people because there's some good in them. But then they're going liberal in other areas. They're just failing to teach other things. And you know what? God's not blessing them in that area. And so the thing is, people look like, but he's got the right gospel he must be good. I'm, I should follow everything. This. No, you shouldn't. You don't have to do that. Some people have some good and they sometimes have some bad. You know what you do? You follow the good and you ignore the bad. It's, just, it's common sense. It, and these things, 
So I think they're just implied in the Bible, but people often miss them. And so, you know, something that I want us to focus on, it's about who gets hurt when we're disobedient. Because if, if you are disobedient, you know, you, you, you don't care about hurting others. That's the thing. A lot of times, if you just wanted to hurt yourself, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. But you know what? You end up hurting other people too. And you, often people, especially leaders, and this is what's so frustrating about our politicians, it's like they're always doing these things with taxes and stuff, not realizing who it's going to affect. That's why I wish they had term limits and I wish these people had to come back and live in the area that they governed over. You know, Adam Kinzinger, I don't like that guy at all. And that guy, I don't think he has a chance of getting reelected. But you know what? I've been watching what he's been doing since he's been over in D.C. He has been doing everything he can to get himself a job and a position out there once he's out of office. I don't think he'll ever come back to this area. You, you wait and see. I think Adam Kinzinger is going to stay in D.C. when he loses in the next election. You know, and, and he's been lobbying for a job out there because he knows he's not going to get reelected because he was a big fraud and has done everything wrong since he's, since he's been out there. I think that guy should have to come back here and live in this area that has suffered as a result of all the junk that he's done. That's what I, that's what I think. I think it should be that way with all of these politicians. They shouldn't be able to just become career people in D.C. You know, we elected him to represent us, to hopefully, you know, help our area, and he's not done that. And, and, it, and a lot of the stuff is in hurting. I think he should come back and suffer and work a regular job. That, that's what I think. But again, nobody's taking my advice when it comes to fixing this country. And so so I, I can just state my opinion right here. But, you know, they, these politicians, they should think about who this is going to affect. But you know what they do? They think about themselves. You know, Nancy Pelosi's husband, you know, he's playing the stock market. And so she's making decisions that are going to help him in the stock market. That, that's not how they're, they're supposed to be thinking about the people that they represent. And they're not doing that. That is wrong. And then yet people will still just continue. I voted for that person. I'm going to support him no matter what. No, if I vote for somebody, I'm going to be even more mouthy against that person. You better believe I'm going to let, I'm going to let them know that I don't want them doing that kind of thing. And that I won't vote for them again. And I'll do what I can to vote them out. You better believe I'm going to do that kind of thing. So, uh, so but disobedient people, they're, not, they, they're only thinking about themselves. But, you know, if you have any heart at all, hopefully every one of you in here as Christians, you'll think about your children. I think most of us try to at least think about our children. We like to think about their future. Because let me tell you something, Jehoshaphat did not do that. Because Jehoshaphat, while overall he was a good king, while overall he did a lot of great things, those areas where he messed up did affect a lot of other people. But you know who it really affected? Was his son. And that's what we've got. We've really got to think about this. Now, look at Second Chronicles chapter 21. This is why I'll never follow any man off a cliff. Because you know what? As, you know, as a, as a pastor, as a father, I have people that are following me. And you know what? If I follow some guy off a cliff, then it's not just going to be me going off the cliff. My family's going off the cliff too. I don't have to do that. So, let's, I, I love the IFB. I, but you know what? There's goofy stuff that goes on in the IFB, and there's some goofy stuff that's taught sometimes. I don't have to do that. Okay? And you know, my my lack of loyalty to just towing the party line and everything, you know, it it's maybe not that popular. But you know what? I love these people. I love the good. I follow the good. But in areas where they go bad, it's like, forget it. You know, I, I'm sorry. I love you. I think you're great, but I'm not doing this. Israel worship stuff. I can't. I can't do that. I can't follow you there. That, you know, that's not right. I can't. You know, I, I like you. I can't do this man worship stuff. You know, I, I, I believe again. Like the illustration I like to use is you follow men as they're following Christ. If I see Christ in front of them, I'm okay. The way I hear it said a lot of time is they like to look in their rearview mirror wherever they're going as long as they can see the greats. 
you know, Jack Hiles and Lester roll off and so on behind them, then they know they're going the right direction. It's like, well, you know, all of those guys, I think, did a lot of really great things. But some of them were wrong in some areas. And you know what? I will follow them where they did good, but in areas where they did bad and were in error, I'm not going to follow that. that. That should just be common sense. But it's like everyone's always becoming apologists for these different great men of the past. And you know what? How, how much do we even know about these things and their quotes are even true? Because, you know, preachers get up and they say dumb stuff all the time. I've said dumb stuff. You know, I, I was just telling somebody yesterday about when I had a Jehovah's Witness knock on my house when we first moved out here. And I went and I started telling them about the 144,000 Jews. And it's like, I, I think back about that. I was like, man, I was dumb. You know, but it was a Jehovah's Witness, so who cares? But, but, but either way, you know, what I said was dumb. And I'm glad it wasn't recorded and that it shouldn't end up in the history books. Okay, because that was not a great moment of mine. And, you know, we have, we have those things. But let's go back to Second Chronicles chapter 21. But remember, the things that you do are going to affect other people, especially your children. In Second Chronicles 21, Verse 1, Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Jehoram his son reigned in his stead. And he had brethren, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariah, Michael, Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. And their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and of precious things with fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom gave you to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. It sounded like Jehoshaphat loved his kids. It sounded like he wanted to pass on some good things to them. There's no doubt about it, but Jehoram, the one that he made king, he passed some things on to him that he didn't want to pass on to him. And it says, now when Jehoram was risen up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and slew all his brethren with the sword and divers also of the princes of Israel. Do you think Jehoshaphat wanted him doing that? No. Now, where did he get that? Well, it says that Jehoram was 32 years old when he began to reign and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel like as did the house of Ahab, Jehoshaphat's buddy. For he had the daughter of Ahab to wife and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Howbeit, the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant he had made with David and as he promised to give him a light to him and his sons forever. So Jehoram was so bad, in reality, the kingdom should have been taken from his family. But because of God's promise to David, God preserved him. And God did not completely destroy him. But notice that what he did, he did something Jehoshaphat never would have dreamed of. He never would have wanted him to do it. But he did it. And you know where he got it? He got it from the kings of Israel. He got it from Ahab. He, he married Ahab's daughter. And what does he do? He acts like he acts like that king. Jehoshaphat never wanted that. But you know what? A lot of times they say what you do in moderation is your kid's going to do in excess. And so Jehoshaphat, again, good king, sorry dad. And you know what? That's, I'm telling you, that's not acceptable for me. I'm thankful I grew up in a home where it was more important to my dad that he be a good dad than a good pastor. Or that he'd be a big leader in fundamentalism. My dad had a big problem with all these big names out there that had sorry kids and sorry families. He's like, you know what? If I, you know, being a good father, that's my, that's one of his main jobs. He said, that's, that's part of my job as a pastor. I'm supposed to have my children in subjection with all gravity. They're not to be accused of riot or unruly. And my dad always made a big deal about the preachers that raise good kids. He focused way more on those guys than the guys with big churches. My dad didn't really care about the big names. The big names to my dad were the ones who had kids that turned out good. He always paid extra close attention to those people. He, he always did. And I'm thankful for that. Because you know what? I've, I've been a beneficiary of that. And, and, I, and so, Jehoshaphat, him joining up with Ahab because it was politically convenient... Because there were some financial benefits. Hey, if we build these ships together, I mean, there's some things we can accomplish, some things we can good. We can have peace between us. You know what? There's some people we shouldn't have peace with. There's some people we should be fighting with. And Ahab was a very wicked king. And, but you know what? And Jehoshaphat, 
He never went as far as Ahab in some things. In fact, we don't even see Jehoshaphat doing the things Ahab was doing. But he was a friend to him, and it cost him greatly. He was a friend when he shouldn't have been a friend to him, and it did. It, it rubbed off bad on Jehoram. And so Jehoram, like his father, we, we see too, he also made friends with the kings of Israel. And so uh, he took a step further. He became like them. He killed his own brothers, which is horrible. He married the daughter of Ahab. And chances are, I mean, Ahab probably had more than one wife, but it was probably Jezebel's daughter. Dude, guys, always look at the mom. You don't, when there's a Jezebel, you don't marry her daughter. I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how nice she seems. She's going to turn, there's good, there's a, the chances are she's going to turn into her mom. The chances are big enough. I'm not taking the chance. Don't, don't go after, don't. Never go for Jezebel's daughter. That's another sermon. But the family of Jehoshaphat was nearly completely destroyed. Jehoram's all that's left. And again, God spared him because of his promise to David. In verse 16 of, second, of chapter 21, it says, Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and break into it and carried away all the substance that was found in the king's house and his son's also and his wives, that there was never a son left him, save Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. So notice, again, God allowed all his family to be destroyed, but he spared one. And not for Jehoram's sake, but for David's sake. God spared one. He spared Jehoahaz because of that promise. And then in verse 18, it says, And after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable disease. And it came to pass in the process of time after the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of his sickness. So he died of sore diseases and his people made no burning for him like the burning of his fathers. That's not a good end right there. So again, Jehoshaphat, good king, but he had some bad. And you know what? People paid the consequences especially his son paid the consequences big time. And we've got to understand, you know, you can be disobedient to God in certain areas. God still may use you, but not as much as you would be used if you were obedient. And your disobedience is going to be, it's going to result in a lot of heartache for a lot of other people. And it definitely did for Jehoram. It was terrible the way it ended. He did wickedness. All his, all his family died. Only Jehoahaz was left. And so, again, can I be disobedient and still used of God? Well, the answer is yes, but not as much as you could be. And not without eternal effects for your disobedience. So, we don't ever want to make a mistake when we see God using someone in a certain way as an excuse. Well, this is good. Therefore, I will blindly follow them. No, that is wrong. You, you, you don't have to follow people off a cliff. And if you see somebody who's clearly doing bad, that is not an excuse to write off all the good things too. We've got all these people out there today, the trendies as I like to call them, that are always trying to throw out everything that they teach in the IFB because of ones who turned out to be bad. And it's like, oh, look, that guy turned out to be a pervert. Therefore, the King James Bible is wrong. No, that guy, was, that guy was just wrong for being a pervert. King James Bible is still good. Oh, that, that guy, you know, he taught soul winning, you know, he, but you know what? You know, he preached standards and conviction and all these things, but he turned out to be living a double life. Well, you know what? And he's going to suffer for that too. But it doesn't mean he was wrong in what he preached about standards and separation and holy living. It's just too bad he didn't practice what he preached. But people use that as an excuse to throw it out, as if everybody has to be either all bad or all good. That's not the way it is. Everybody is going to have some... Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to have some good. Everybody's going to have some bad. We ought to follow people where they're doing good. Where they go off, we quit following them. End of story. We don't need... We should follow men, but we don't have to follow them off a cliff. We are allowed to use common sense 
If you decide, you know, we're going to take a trip to Chicago and you want to follow me and you're determined to go to Chicago, if you see me jump on 88 and head west, you know, you're supposed to follow me on these soul winning trips, but we're going to Chicago. And if you know for a fact going west will not get you there, you don't have to follow me. Go east. Go, you, you know, that you know, you know, there's some things, a lot of times too, following people does not mean we just have no clue what we're doing and we're not allowed to know where we're going. That, that, that doesn't mean that at all. It, you know, you can, you know, you know the way to Chicago. So you're allowed to go that way. And it's the same thing too. You all know what the Bible says. And so when you see me teaching right, follow me. You see me teaching wrong, don't follow me. It's, it's that simple. You're, you're allowed to look past and to see where I'm heading and to see where I'm going. And that's what we should do with anyone we're following. Anybody that we're following, we should always, again, not just look at their backs, but we should look ahead at where they're going. And if we see them heading in a place that we believe is God's will, where they're following, you know, they're getting closer to Christ, where they're doing the right thing, keep following them. It's just, but common sense need to prevail. And when people start going wrong, then don't follow them. That simple. There's going to be good. There's going to be bad. And so there is more to deciding when it comes to who to follow than are they saved. There's a lot more to it than that. We should always be checking their walk. We should always make sure they're walking with God. They may have been walking with God for 20 years. But you know what? You're 21. They might veer off. And that's you say, I've followed this guy for 20 years. Well, you know what? 20 years was enough. He's going another direction. Now, forget him and keep, keep your eyes on Christ. Common sense. So, I'm fine with following any person, again, as long as I see Jesus in front of them. But as soon as they veer off, that's where we part ways. What about all the good that was done? That was good that was done. I'm glad it got done. You know, well, I still see them doing some good. Good. I hope they keep doing that good. But I can't do that bad. And I don't have to do that bad. And neither do you. There's consequences. If I follow them in that area where they're wrong, I'm going to suffer for it. My church is going to suffer for it. My family is going to suffer for it. And I don't have the right to lead people in that direction. And so hopefully this example of Jehoshaphat will help you with that. And, and you know what? Please don't run with the Trump stuff again. You know, that, but right there, I know, I, I can see it in your face. Some of you are so confused right now. And it's, it's because that's how we think about stuff. Where, where it's, it's, everything's just so black and white and everything, we can't acknowledge any good thing. And that's not right. That's not, that's not common sense. And so common sense needs to prevail in these things. So hopefully this was a help and a blessing. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for uh, this uh, story we have in the Bible, Lord, and the example that we can learn from it. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for all those that have been in my life that have done good, that have uh, been a blessing, that have done great works for you. But Lord, help me to never get sidetracked by them, uh, but help me to just continue... Uh, following you help me to be an example too uh, as a pastor and as a father i pray lord that we'll all do that remember to keep you the focal point and everything in your name we pray amen